Get Up Nation. I hope you're enjoying the Get Up Nation podcast on www.anchor.fm. As a podcast host on over 20 platforms, I really enjoy how easy it is to use Anchor, how Anchor makes everything I need available in one place for free, accessible on your smartphone or desktop computer. Go to www.anchor.fm now. In case you didn't know, Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit each episode. If you're concerned about the distribution of your hard work, don't sweat it because Anchor takes care of that too. If you're considering becoming a podcaster, I would highly recommend Anchor as your choice to begin sharing your content with the world. Get Up Nation. My name is Ben Biddick. I am the creator and host of the Get Up Nation podcast, where I serve individuals, organizations, and societies to develop and sustain resilience and perseverance. I'm the co-author of Get Up, The Art of Perseverance, with former Major League Baseball player and CEO of Luron Living, Adam Greenberg. The Get Up Nation podcast is brought to you in partnership with GotYour6Coffee.com where Navy veteran Eric Hadley is committed to serving first responders, veterans, and their families through a variety of nonprofit organizations. No stranger to adversity, Eric has fused necessity of coffee with his passion for public service. You're already purchasing coffee. Why not empower your coffee with purpose? Why not purchase coffee that not only has your six, but also has the backs of those who don a uniform of service for our communities and great country. Learn more about Eric and his freshly roasted award-winning coffee at gotyoursixcoffee.com. Recently, I had the honor and privilege speaking with two of the three co-authors of the Warrior's Book of Virtues, A Field Manual for Living Your Best Life, named Matt Bloom and Richard Bud Bryant. Buzz joined me on Get Up Nation with his friend Pittsburgh Steeler Alejandro Villanueva a while back to share how they're serving fellow veterans but today he joins me with Matt Bloom, who served with him in Iraq. I had the privilege of writing the forward for this, and I'm honored to be able to share with Get Up Nation on the day of this book's release some of the insight and expertise of men who, when our country called them, went to war, returned from war, and served their peers who have returned from war. They continue their legacy of service today by helping others live their finest lives. Matt, Buzz, Welcome to the show. Congratulations on your new book being published by Penguin Random House, and thank you for taking the time today to join me. Hey, thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Appreciate it, Ben. Thanks, buddy. You got it. I just want to say, first of all, congratulations. Even during pre-order, your book rose to number one in some categories on Amazon. There's a lot of excitement about this book. It's been featured in numerous publications and shows huge promise when it comes to positively impacting our world. So congratulations on that. Even before being released, you're already having some success. So congrats. Thank you to see it performing so well already. It's very humbling. Yeah, I agree. I'm surprised. You know, I was the one who was uh, you know, the last guy in. Not because I was the last guy in, just because I was the one falling a little bit and wasn't sure I wanted to do it or wasn't sure that I had really anything to add. So to see that some of the initial reports and, and data are showing that pre-sales are, are doing well and there's some categories that it's really high in it, it's really cool. Not that I'm surprised by them. It's interesting to me. I would have been happy if we sold one book to one person that I didn't work with or wasn't a friend with or had served with at some point. So I think maybe we're going to meet that goal. That was my goal. One, you know, two books is, is an absolute win for me. <laughs> I think you're going to sell a lot more than one or two. Let's get into this. I'd like to get your insight about this process. 
and really figure out where this book comes from and why it's having this type of impact on people. Can we start with how the three authors of the book met? Nick Bennis can't be with us today, but the three of you served in Iraq together. Will you tell us some about the unit you served in and where you served? We all met in a reserve unit in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania's MP Company Bravo, part of Fourth Service Support Group out of Fort Mardiv of the Marine Corps. I was in the unit already. Buzz came to the unit as the uh, inspector instructor staff. He was the corpsman for the unit as part of the Fleet Marine Corps. And then uh, Nick came in as a volunteer. He was getting out of the Marine Corps from active duty and wanted to do a deployment. And he talks about that a little bit in the book. And we all shipped off to Iraq in June of 04. And then did some stuff over there. The three of us were actually part of Operation Phantom Fury in Fallujah, Iraq in November of 2004. And since then, we've all kind of kept in touch. Kind of weird when you get out of the military, you... Everyone goes their separate ways across the country. So that's where we kind of all met. And then the book, all three of us ended up in the helping profession. Buzz and I worked at a VA hospital here in Pittsburgh. I was a social worker. Buzz was a transition patient advocate. Connecting with Bennett, I didn't know he had gone into the helping profession as well. And one of his earlier books, Mental Health Emergency, he asked me to read it and do some stuff for it. And I was like, dude, we got to do something that's military-related. Kind of half-jokingly, kind of serious. And I'd mention it to Buzz because working directly with veterans, I mean, we had quite the stories of not just being deployed, but working with vets in general. Like, and then uh, mixing that in with some of the mental health stuff that we've all been exposed to. And Nick took us out our word and said, yeah, give me something. We presented an idea. He ran with it. A year later, we're here. Yeah, you guys continued to serve after completing your commitment to the Navy and the Marine Corps by working for the VA. Your genuine and authentic concern for helping ensure veterans were receiving effective services that not only saved a number of lives in the veteran population, but also your own went unknown to you at the time. Buzz, you may have had a gun pointed your way a time or two until they realized that you were truly there to help them. Uh, how satisfying was it for you to help ensure veterans are receiving effective care post-service? When I retired from active duty, I was a little bit different than Nick and Matt. I was the active duty guy. When I retired, I was lucky enough to get hired by the Veterans Integrated Service Network in Pittsburgh, and the position was virtual, and what it allowed me to do was go out and work with Iraq and Afghanistan veterans that were seriously injured and seriously ill. And even better is it allowed me for the director of the facilities and the director of the visit office to go out and travel to the veteran. So if that meant that the veteran was struggling with whatever, you know, whether it was a health reason, whether it was a legal reason, finances, we went directly to the veteran. So if a veteran didn't necessarily want to come into the VA for whatever reason, you know, I was always able to say to that veteran, hey, listen, well, I'll come to you. You don't have to come to me. You don't have to come and sit down in my office in VA, wherever. I'll come to you and meet you there, and we'll sit down and we'll talk and, you know, figure out what's going on. And, and there were circumstances where that, <laughs> that you know, we laugh about it now or, or after the fact that we were probably, myself and my partner, were probably, you know, we put ourselves in positions that we probably should have thought about a little bit more safety on mine, or maybe we shouldn't go down this wooded path with veterans who's, in crisis, and he wants to BZO his weapons. But there we were, walking down the train tracks and up in Dubois, Pennsylvania. You know, we're a click or so away from our vehicles. We're not armed. We don't have anything but ourselves, and he has a loaded weapon. And, you know, 
again, we laugh about it now, but, you, you know, you, it could have went either way. Now, it went fine. The veteran, we were willing to talk down and just, you know, convince him, hey, everything's going to be okay. Let us help you out. We're not here to take you anywhere or make you do something you don't want to do. But there, there certainly were multiple circumstances where uh, we put ourselves maybe in a little bit more, I don't know if I want to say harm's way, but in a predicament that we probably should have thought out a little bit more or, or maybe alerted local law enforcement, hey, uh, you know, if you see a car abandoned in the woods and, <laughs> and, and there's nobody there, that uh, maybe come and check us out. We're down here a little bit. But there's a piece in the book about one of the veterans that we were visiting that day. The clinicians wanted us to go out and check on and just make sure he was okay. That, uh, that kind of escalated a little bit, too, but we were able to. You know, de-escalate the situation, avert the crisis, and just talk to the veteran and let them know, hey, I'm not the bad guy or the good guy. I'm just the guy that's here to say, hey, listen, why don't you give us an opportunity to help you out? Or at the very least, if you don't want us to help you out, we just want to make sure you're okay. I want to get eyeballs on you and make sure that everything's all right. You know, you're eating, you're, you have shelter, you know, the basic things that, you know, we all want, we all need. I just love your commitment to one another and to those who have served it's that selfless service where you put aside your own safety and go with just the best intentions and some resources that you want to connect people to no agenda just simply wanting to help others and prevent awful things from happening and honor people in their service this is the spirit of this book it comes from the spirit of the three of you who volunteered to go to war for this country in a time when our civilian population had been attacked and your fidelity to the people that you served with and other veterans who have, have served is so commendable and so respectful. I think it really speaks of why this book is such a success is because it speaks to these deeper realities that people hunger for in a world of instant gratification, in a world of interactions which can be pretty callous or superficial you really go to the depth of our experience and you embody leaving no one behind. So I want to talk about this book, The Warrior's Book of Virtue, A Field Manual for Living Your Best Life, published by Penguin Random House, coming out July 30. You talked a little bit about where this began and the thought process and, and the three of you working together to create this. Can we get into a little bit of why you decided to write it? Was it seeing various principles in action during war that helped Marines thrive and survive in difficult circumstances? and then seeing a lack of these principles in the civilian populace. What made you take the time to invest so much work in trying to help people create better lives for themselves and their families, regardless of whether they're veterans or not? Yeah, Ben, that's, that's a great point. I, I think the overlying motivation for the three of us is we want to give back. Part of the helping profession, you know, we want to take our experiences, learn in the military, uh, on deployments, and in, again, in our professional lives, that we can give back. And all three of us were exposed to issues that include or prevent people from being out of their own way. You know, vets and non-vets alike. I mean, Buzz and I saw quite a bit, specifically with veterans. It also applies to non-veterans. So, for example, any veteran goes through boot camp or initial training or something like that, and over the course of time, they learn these principles. Like, they are trained, it's ingrained in them day in and day out. And what we've seen in the world was coinciding with what we were seeing with working with some veterans, not all, just some. Everyone, you know, everyone has their own issues. But right now in society, you have this uh, huge sense of entitlement or the, I want it now and I don't want to put in the work. 
or even people that are suffering from a mental illness or whatnot, that they become debilitated by depression or anxiety and stuff like that. So we saw this as an opportunity to use our information and experience to give back to veterans and non-veterans alike. When we put this together, we didn't want to shove the military or veteran lifestyle down the reader's throat. You know, this is for everybody. I think that was kind of important to us that we just wanted to reach people in general because we don't want to single anybody out. We want everyone to be better. We want society, our country, everything to be better. And if we can provide information that we've taken from a professional military standpoint, then that's great. Our information, our words, if they can motivate somebody to take action in their own lives, then we're working ourselves out of a job. If we could have less psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers, therapists, whatever, and even more so less medication, I mean, that's great. Like, we want everyone to be able to maintain their own lives and have their own direction and be successful. And I think that's this common goal that all three of us have shared during the write-up of this book. And real quick, there are so many guys and gals that have, you know, just have gotten in and out of the service, or even some of our, our younger population in general, non-veterans, so easy for them to just say, you know what, I give up, or I'm not going to do that anymore, or I'm not going to fight through it. Their resiliency is just, it's in question. I mean, and, and when we were veterans, you, you would see how resilient we were. It was never the easy way. You know, it was the hard way. We were going to do it. We were going to make it work. We were going to figure out how to do it, whether it was hard or whether it was easy. We were going to, we were going to get the mission done, and we were going to accomplish it, no matter what. To me, it's a state of mind. It was just my way of life. And I saw that in a lot of our service members when I was on active duty. And I see a lot of our youth as well. But there's also, like Matt said, there is this sense of complacency. There is this sense of get this and it should be real easy. I'm going to go on Instagram and I'm going to make a million dollars as an Instagram whatever. Or I'm going to go on Facebook and do this or that. And it, it should be easy and it should come to me easy. You see that so much nowadays that, you know, put in a little bit of work. It's okay to get your hands dirty. It's okay to get your hands bloody or whatever it takes. Have at it, you know, get after it, especially our veterans. And, and a lot of them I talk to, you know, and, it's, and I talk to them in the VA every day when I say, I'm, I'm not Sergeant such and such anymore. I'm not, you know, Chief such and such anymore. I'm, I'm Buzz Bryant, and I work for the VA, and if I can help you, and let me help you. Let me get frustrated for you. Let me get you through whatever it is that you're struggling with and getting you through. It may not be easy, but that's okay. Let's just do it. Let's get after it. So, I love yeah. that. I love that solidarity of it where it's, where you're actually taking another person's challenge and you're making it your own. And then the two of you, isolation is a, a, such a problem and that is such a barrier to resilience. So to get past that isolation with connection and to take on that challenge together, that's a powerful creator of resilience. I love, I love that mindset and that mentality. And you know, Ben, I mean, you, you served in the Army. I mean, you served. I mean, you know how the brotherhood is. You, right. you know how it works. Yep. I mean, we do everything together. We live together. We eat together. We sleep together. We right. fight together. We compete together. We do everything together. Yep. You, you know, that doesn't have to, that teamwork, that brotherhood doesn't have to end right. when you walk out of the military. I know it's different. I know. I get that. And the civilian world is different. But that doesn't mean that we can't have those same things. You know, you you're growing up, you play a sport, you know, you, you know, whether it's in high school, grade school, and, and you're part of a team, and, and you do a thing together, you help each other out, you have each other's backs, you figure out how to make it work. So once again, get after it, do it. We can accomplish, you know, anything. I mean, it can't be a word that is banned and is not in our vocabulary. 
let's talk about the book as a tool that people can use to do that. It's designed to be a field manual for those who are seeking to improve their lives. Will you describe the format of the book and how people can use it powerfully to their advantage? We talked about 11 virtues and principles that the Marine Corps has been in everyday life instills in people. So what we did is we kind of go through an introduction of what, how the book's going to read, what the book can do for the reader. And then each chapter is broken down. So, for instance, the first chapter of the book is discipline. In our opinion, discipline is the grounding virtue for everything else in life. Without being disciplined in your life, you're not really going to be able to accomplish much. So what we did with the book is we mixed it with like probably 70% factual context, uh, context and then 30% context with stories from our experiences in the military. So we talk about discipline, we go into some historical details about discipline, and then we give a few military or personal stories of how discipline impacted our lives, something stupid that happened in the military. But then at the end of each chapter, we give a sit rep. And for the military members, they understand that it's a situational report. There we provide information of what is bad about not being disciplined, what the enemy is per se. If you're seeing A, B, and C taking place in your life, then it's probably not a good thing. You're probably not excelling with using or displaying discipline. Another tool that we give that everyone can kind of use everyday life, and this is what I really like about the, the book with the sit reps and the nine mind. So nine mind is a format that's used in the military to get people out of uh, their injured or whatnot in a hot zone. So what we use for the nine mind is we have a set of nine lines nine ideas where it allows the reader to really take a moral compass or a moral checklist of themselves and, and say, hey, if you want to have more discipline in your life, first check in with this and then prioritize, set goals where they can really be honest with themselves. When we give you examples, okay, make your bed every day or brush your teeth and so on and so forth, where they can actually, you can actually read this and take stock in it and practice it on a daily basis. And I think that we do that for each virtue through the 11 chapters. And what I like about it, because I've read, you know, quite a few books of Buzz and, and of Nick have, a lot of self-help books are amazing, but they don't really give you that real roadmap on how to apply it in everyday life. We don't want you to be depressed, so we want you to engage with self-help or go seek treatment or you might need medication and so on and so forth. We start basic with like the littlest things that you can do to create more discipline, more integrity, more fortitude, more temperance in your daily life. That goes out through the entire book, and it reads really easy. We finally got our eyes on the finished product not too long ago, and it's like 160 pages, and it reads so well. I'm trying to be impartial, but I, it's just, and I don't like to read. I'm not one that will like sit all day in the bookstore and like, wow, I can't wait to read this. I'm a, probably my harshest critic. But this, it's so easy for the reader to get wrapped up in it and take stock in it and to practice it on a daily basis. So there's a number of concepts, and you, you help people confront the challenging things within them by using this book. Instant gratification, a lack of discipline, a lack of prudence, and you highlight your experiences in service and combat, the essential value of these concepts uh, in our own mentality and with our interactions with others. Can you just run through a basic example of something you guys experienced in combat that is a, a lesson that you learned that helped you do <laughs> You want to talk about some of your stories, Buzz? <laughs> yeah, I, I can do that. Why not? So, 
Let me see. One of our stories, so from the book. So we could do one. When I was on the I I staff when we all met, and you know, the order came down that we were going to deploy uh, again. Or that I, I take that back. The reserve company was going to deploy, which I was not a part of. I was not company personnel. I was part of the inspector instructor staff, so I was not in a deployable bill. The only deployable bill of the uh, was the ops chief, and uh, he would be the only one who would deploy forward. Well, I, I had an issue with that. I can tell you there was no way on God's green earth that the company that I had gotten to know over a short time, because they had come back from the, the initial deployment, and I and I met them in Camp June, and that started my relationship. Uh, you know, I met them as they came off the bus, and, and I immediately went into a tirade on them of, you know, what, what I thought, how things were going to be from now on. And I'm sure they all probably thought, you know, who is this, you know, little cat who, you know, I don't know who you are, bro. We've been in combat, you know, in a combat zone for the last, you know, eight, nine months. It was a long deployment, their first deployment. But, you know, I immediately wanted to build a relationship with them, wanted to gain their trust, wanted them to understand what I was all about and how I thought things should operate. So, hence, a couple months later, when they got the, the, the order, that they were going to go forward again, you know, I immediately was told that, hey, you're not going. At which point I immediately told my CEO that, you know, that's, that's you know, I'm sorry, the inspector instructor, that, that that wasn't happening, that there was no way that this company was going to go forward without me and just pick up three corners that they had never met, never trained with, never did anything with, wherever they were deploying out of, whether it was Lucian, Pendleton, wherever. Um, I doubt that conversation was that calm as you just explained it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I think maybe I think maybe initially it was. Uh, I, I think the initial brief was something like that, but it, I, I can assure you that it started to, to become more and more uh, colorful as it progressed on, and they continued to tell me no. Um, so, but one one thing I did was, like I said, I had started to build that brotherhood and that camaraderie with with the reserve company who I knew were going forward. So I immediately, once we found out, I immediately contacted the reserve CEO, and him and I had to sit down and talked about it. And I provided, and I told him what I, you know, my opinion, and he agreed. So I said, all right, well, that's that's major such and such in my in my back pocket. The senior enlisted. I went and saw him next. He agreed as well. I said, well. All right, so I have my ammunition here. So at which point I just, over the next couple months as we started to work up and get ready to deploy, I just made it more and more evident that I was not fitting in the rear with the gear. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. There's a role for everybody, and so I tell everyone. I said, but that wasn't my role, and I just was not allowing them to go back into harm's way without me. So it continued on. It continued on to the very minute we got on the plane to go to Iraq. So, you know, we left Pittsburgh with the company. We spent a month, a month, month and a half in Camp Pendleton and, and flying on palms working up. They continued to tell me, you're not going, you're not going. I continued to say, negative, I am going. <laughs> uh, and I said, you know, you, you're, you're not going to stop me from getting on that bird. And I had the ammunition. And literally, probably 48 hours prior to us getting on the bird to fly over to, uh, you know, Kuwait and then further up into Iraq. Did uh, did Marshall Rez finally say, "All right, just let the just let the little guy go for God's sakes, because he's creating such a you know a, a, an uproar over there." I mean, again, I literally I walked around. I used to post signs in the reserve center. I, how I didn't get NJP is beyond me, because I was extremely belligerent. I was extremely probably borderline disrespectful. 
But I, I just, it's what I believe. It's, it's just how I was raised in the core. I, I just couldn't do it. That was just my attitude. I just, I just couldn't see myself not being there with them. And, you know, the good thing is when we got to Pendleton, you know, the three corpsmen that we picked up were, were great. They were awesome. They were good cats. They'd all, they were all my kind of guys. You know, we immediately started to sit down and say, okay, we're going forward. You know, we knew the platoons were going to be split up and some were going to be up, you know, in certain places. We weren't going to be together. So, we, you know, how do we prepare these Marines for what they could possibly see? You know, so, you know, we immediately started to train them and, and more so than basic. We took like the Army, and I hate to say this, the Army Combat Lifesaver course, and we kind of expanded upon it. We started working with our, our respective platoons and, and groups and, you know, rifles and our squads and, and just trained them in first aid plus, you know, and, and there was a certain amount of them that were trained how to, you know, how to use an ID, how to, you know, how to place the tourniquet properly. It's possible that Doc could be dead. Doc could be down. You know, what happens if Doc's down? Well, someone's got to step up and be able to provide aid and call in a nine, you know, get with the combos and call a nine, nine if need be, or call a medevac. You know, someone's got to be able to do that if I'm not there. So, you know, we trained and we trained and we trained. And, you know, when we finally got out there and, and got out there, it's, um, and got into it. And in one of the first missions, we had an incident. The Marines reacted exactly the way they were supposed to react. And, and, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, it's, you know, you, you think about, my God, this is a 19, 20 year old kid. And, uh, you know, he's, he's handling, you know, we're, we're, you're taking fire and you got a guy that's got a traumatic amputation and, and, and this cat is, you know, putting a tourniquet on him, calming him down, get him, you know, getting an ID rolling, you know, getting him on the bird before Doc even, you know, you know, was able to get to him. I mean, that's, that, that's what it's all about. And, and, and that was my point that I was trying to, you know, uh, get through to, to the eye and ice there. And I still have my green monster that has a little yellow sticky in it that I've carried for almost 15 years now uh, with a letter from, from the I and I first sergeant that uh, means a lot to me that, you know, about, about this deployment. Mm -hmm. So, um, but there, there's, there's, there's many stories. I mean, some are more colorful than others. I think <laughs> a couple of the stories that are in the book are really, you know, really hit home and yeah. um, kind of provide a little bit of how all three of us, as well as some of the guys that we went forward with, I'm pretty proud of it. I'm, I'm surprised. And I tell people, I said, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a dumb dumb from Philadelphia, you know, who, who was lucky enough to, to go forward with and serve with, you know, to me the greatest fighting force there is, and that's and and as well as you know, and in and, and all respect to the other services as well, because you know when, when you get in combat, you know, to your left is. Army to your right might be whoever, the Air Force, you know, and, and, and just, you know, it is what it is, man. You do what you got to do, and you, and you get through it. You take care of each other. Buzz's resilience and fortitude was paramount. I mean, he called the belligerents. We're going to call it fortitude and resilience because, like, to get this across to your listeners, it'd be like having your own PCP for X amount of years, days, weeks, or whatever your primary care doctor, and then you're sent off somewhere, like you can't take your doctor with you. That knows everything about you. They know your personality, your rapport is great, and they weren't going to let them go. And as Bud says, our company got broken up. Well, fortunately for me, Buzz actually, they, they broke us up into more smaller platoons than they initially planned. So 
actually buzzed was stuck with my platoon in Fallujah, which was a godsend. You know, I mean, he was there. He was in our background. So if something were to happen to some of us, which did, he already knew. So we didn't have to give someone else up to speed. Like, oh, hey, this is this is Bloom. He has allergies. He's a positive. Blah blah blah. Buzz is there to take care of everything. So it was just. There's one last thing you had to worry about in combat, you know, and if you can take that to the civilian side of your personal life, if you can take one more thing off your checklist of being prepared and being ready to take on life struggles, then that's half the battle. You just want to keep checking bosses off. And by Buzz doing that for us was amazing. Can't explain it. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Buzz, for almost getting MVP. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of Sebastian Younger's book, Tribe. He writes about how warriors returning to various tribes after combat had gained a revered yeah. gained a revered wisdom that goes beyond any common experience. So as, as you guys experienced combat and you returned to civilian life, why was virtue a concept that you wanted to focus on for those who are interested in living their best lives after you have experienced situations where you could have very easily lost your own? And I'll, I'll be candid if you don't mind. When we came back the last time in, what, 2005, um, uh-huh. I was a Like, you know, I joined the Marine Corps at age 21 because I didn't have much direction. I had no idea what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be. I was enrolled in college just to be enrolled. It was the cool kids thing to do. That's what I was supposed to do, I guess. But then after coming back from that deployment and all the stuff that we went through, I was just kind of like lost again. And then I was fortunate enough to get hired at the VA. Buzz and a few other guys were still around. And then you start remembering your training and overcoming certain issues that are going on in your life. And then you want to be productive. And I think as we got more into the helping profession, and we kind of saw everyone else struggling with the same thing, you know, lack of virtues, discipline, or, you know, temperance and stuff like that. The more and more, like, man, hey, this, you know, this person needs this, or they need that. And they all came back to being virtuous. You know, I, I don't mean to keep repeating that word, but that's basically all it is. I mean, like we said, discipline. If you don't have the discipline, you're not going to do it. You're going to be... You're going to sit on the couch. You're going to come back to the first day of Div, and you're going to sit on the couch. You're going to play video games, drink beer, and not do anything for the rest of your life. And we were seeing that way, way too much firsthand. You know, but there were many days, Buzz and I would just sit there when he would come into the office, and you're like, can you, you believe this? And, like, those conversations were happening more and more and more, and then you know, mainstream gets a hold of it, and you're seeing it in the regular civilian sector, and it's like, what is going on, you know? And that's where this book came into play. And now we're excited to see where the book takes it, see how everyone responds. And like Buzz said, if one person or even two people buy the book and they help themselves, then it's a success. You know, in a helping profession, if you had a hundred drug addicts or criminals or whatever, and you help one person, they turn their life around and they do something great then your work has been a success. You know, it's not based off majority statistics or anything like that. If you reach one person, then that's where we see our job well done. And I agree with that. And I won't go on much further because I think, Matt, you, you answered that well. I, you know, I, I still see it to this day. You know, I've worked at the VA now for almost 12 years. 
10 and a half in Pittsburgh, and now I'm down here in West Palm. And, and you know, my role here is, 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 you know, the outreach director, so it's a little bit different than what my role was in Pittsburgh. But I, I still find myself, I miss the direct contact with veterans. I find myself walking the hallways of the hospital the days that I'm there just talking to veterans, you know, uh, you know, hearing what, what's going on with veterans and finding out what, you know, what they're struggling with, what they're battling with. And, you know, I met a, I was taking a mental health first aid course lab this past Tuesday. And in that class, there was a, a lady who works for a VSO who was saying that there was a veteran that she knew of that was homeless uh, and then he was on the streets and then he'd been on the street for about six months and no one from the VA would help him. So I said, well, I'll tell you what, he probably called the wrong person. So here's my card. When you get to, you know, wherever, you send me an email, provide me this information, and I will go find this cat, and we'll figure out what's going on. So long story short, I get the information. We, we find this veteran. He's not necessarily eligible for everything for whatever reason, but he's on the streets, and he's a veteran. You know, even more unfortunate, his, his wife is with him as well. She has stage four brain cancer. She's not doing well, and they're living on the streets. So my attitude is this, you know, it's kind of like, and we talk a little bit, I think, briefly in the book about it as well, that, uh, you know, one of our ROEs, there was a question brought up, and, and one of the greatest statements from our first sergeant prior to Malaysia was, you know, when we were questioning ROEs was, is, you know, here's going to be our ROEs, shoot first, beg for forgiveness later. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I took that with me, and I took it to heart, and I, and I carry it with me today. And I use that today as I'm helping veterans and working with veterans or helping some of my you know, kids that I've coached or been involved with. You know, I'm going to shoot first and beg for forgiveness later. I don't care that this veteran may not be eligible for whatever reason or may have an issue or there's something that, you know, some bureaucracy or bureaucratic whatever that's preventing this man from getting help and his wife. I, I'm not going to allow a veteran to be on the street and even so, a veteran who has a wife who's, in, who's suffering to be on the street because we can't figure out the bureaucracy or some silliness. I'm going to figure it out. And once again, I'm going to show them, I'm shooting first and I'm begging for forgiveness later. So in the long run, if I'm going to get in trouble because I did the right thing by helping this guy out or this gal out who's on the street, well, then I'll take that. I'll take that ass chewing back every day, any time. Um, you know, and those are some of the virtues that I think that, you know, we were trying to say, I, I, I just, I enjoy helping people, not because I want to pat on my back or not because it's just, I think it's who we are in our personalities. <laughs> I mean, Matt knows me well, and that's probably why he's chuckling because he probably knows me because the conversation was very candid today with our homeless coordinator. She didn't like it, but yeah, it's, it's it. funny, like the so buzz and I worked for seven years direct directly. And we had a great program. It's no longer in the VA. It was called the OEF, OEF, OND uh, Case Management Program. And we had a really good group of core social workers. Our motto was we would just get crap done, uh, you know, substitute the S word for that. And Buzz is exactly right. And we would just, we would do the right thing. We would go to whoever we needed to talk to directly. We went to their, you know, we had our own chain of command, but our chain of command was like, do what you need to do. And right. we would go to other department heads. It didn't matter. Like, we talked to who we needed to talk to, and that's what I think the book will encourage people to do is do the right thing, you know. And 
we say that in, in quotations, like, you have to know what the right thing is to do before you just go off and do it. I mean, <laughs> I know for uh, Buzz, not so much Buzz, but maybe me, because I, was, I didn't have the leeway as Buzz did, but at times we were considered rogue, you know, because uh, we wanted to help veterans. We wanted to get things done, and we made sure we did it. And, you know, we put a little bit of that into this book, um, which is kind of exciting to see in print. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. I love that. So many, so many of our systems are bogged down by bureaucracy and ridiculous regulation and uh, madness that people are so impeded from being able to simply do good for others. And so I love seeing the warrior within both of you um, going to war to help, you know, veterans on the street and uh, their spouses who have stage four brain cancer. I mean, I mean, think about that, Ben. I mean, stage right. four brain cancer. Right. And, 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 and she's on the street. Yeah. I mean. Right. You know, I mean, to me, it's just, I mean, sometimes the right thing to do is just the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, right. you know, and that's nothing, that's, you know, it's, I get the rules and regulations. We abided by them in the military and we abide by them in life and, yeah. and, and, and our jobs and our everyday world. Right. But you know what? I mean, it's just something, sometimes the right thing to do is the right thing. And the system works. Don't get me wrong. The system works. I'm, I'm by no means, uh, you know, bagging on you know, the VA or the system, the system works and the VA works and, and the care is, is terrific. But there, there are, you know, sometimes I think we make things a little bit harder than maybe they necessarily need to be. Sure. Mm -hmm. sure. But I, I think this book, though, it's a good segue, but I think this book will enable and motivate veterans to be yeah. their, their best person and their best advocate to get what they need. Hmm. Exactly. Uh, I mean, we've seen a lot of times where you're told no once, and then they suck. You know, I mean, um, we can go off on tangents all day, you know, especially with, like, what it be Social Security. It's like, oh, the underlying rules are going to deny you once, and once you apply again, you're going to be, you know, accepted. And I think this book will motivate people to, like I said, be their best advocate and go do the right thing and not take no for an answer in order to live their best life. Awesome. I love it. Keep your weapon, keep your weapon downrange and stay in the fight. Oh, love it. You got to take. You got to. I mean, you just you have to take care of yourself. Personally, I often think of those who who did not make it back, who made the ultimate sacrifice. I think about, I think about them as I think about how I'm going to live my life and the, the gift of time that I have. I made it back for whatever reason that is. I'm back, and I think of those families that their loved one did not come back. That is a powerful motivator for me to live my finest life. You know, and as you reflect on your service, those who were harmed and those who gave their lives, their families, this had to be, I'm guessing, a reality in your minds also as you put this book together. I think survivor guilt is a powerful reality in, in many people's lives who have been through traumatic events, whether military or not. Could you speak about living your lives to the fullest, not just for the personal satisfaction of doing so, but also in honor of those who gave their lives so that we can do that with our own. For me, I want to pass information on. Great men have made that all up in the sacrifice, great men and women. And they're not here to pass on what they learned or what some of their experiences were or their words of wisdom. And I think, for me, if I don't pass on what I've learned or taken from my experiences, and I'm not, you know, I'm just a small Western PA kid from Pennsylvania, but from streets of Philadelphia and 
and so on and so forth. It's like if we don't pass this information on, we're we're doing those that have passed before us a disservice by not honoring them by passing on the lessons and experiences. You know, I think one of our things as a human is we should be passing on all this information, good, bad, to the next generation in order to either learn from it or to expand upon it. And there's that, that wild uh, sci-fi movie, Lucy, with Morgan Freeman. And there's the line, and, you, know, you know, she's asking him, what do we do with this information? He's like, pass it on. And that's kind of something I kind of take to heart is, I wanted, that's how I want to honor, you know, my dedication to this book was for my late grandfather, who was an Air Force and Navy veteran of 20 years and was, had to medically retire at, at 20, thankfully, uh, due to MS. Some of the stuff that he's instilled in me and passed on to me was something I was very proud of and I, I carry it with it, with me to this day. And I think for all military members, or even if, uh, you know, just regular people that have passed on from your lives, parents, loved ones, spouses, so on and so forth. The best way to honor them is to pass it on, and I think we encapsulate that in this book a little bit. I think that's a great point. I won't add too much to it because I know we're starting to run long here. It's, you know, I have three sons, and that are all in their, you know, early to mid-20s. I want them all to know that it, it, it's, and not only them, but, you know, our youth and our young men and women, you know, out there in the communities now, it's, it's okay to fail. It's okay to make a mistake. It's not okay to not try, though. And it's not okay to not learn from your mistakes. It, it, it's part of life. It's going to happen. You can use a sports analogy all the time. You know, you look at a baseball player. You know, you know, Bryce Harper, you know, goes one for three. That's a good night. I mean, you're thinking one for three, one for four. Yeah, but it was a three-run home run. I mean, it, you're going to fail probably a lot more than you're going to succeed. And I know that that's, and that's okay. Just, but once again, just continue to go forward, continue to learn. You know, the lessons that I've learned, hopefully I can pass that on to my sons and they see it, you know, and the veterans and the work with on a daily basis. You know, I, you know, I, I just enjoy talking to them and sharing experiences with them, you know, and it doesn't have to be a combat experience or it can be, you know, just an experience in general. And, uh, and that's right, you know, pass that information down. I mean, it's, um, and I think we, we owe that to them, and I think we owe it to, you know, who, the men and women who aren't, you know, with us anymore for, for whatever reason, you know, I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's just the rite of passage. I mean, we have to share that knowledge. We have to share that information. Someone asked, someone asked me the other day, like, do you regret anything? I was like, no. I said, regret to me is a horrible word. And, you know, this is my own personal context. I feel if I admit that I regret something, that I didn't learn from that mistake or that whatever that situation was. Like, like Bud said, we're going to fail a lot more than we succeed. So we have to learn from it. We have to take something from it to make ourselves better. So in that case, I, you know, I've kept it with me not to regret anything. All right, gentlemen, I always end the show with six questions to help my listeners understand the why within my phenomenal guests. Will you run through these six quick questions with me? Yeah, absolutely. Who are you thankful for today? I'm thankful for Buzz and Nick. <laughs>
I'm always thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my wife, especially. My wife puts up with a lot. Has been putting up with me for a long, long time. In September, I've been married 30 years, and uh, you know, she has kept me grounded. She's let me know when it was time to shut my mouth, when it was time to knock it off. So I'll, I'll, I'll say my wife, Chrissy. It's, it's, that's a lot of years with me. Trust me. And now that we've covered who you're thankful for. What are you thankful for today? I'm thankful for opportunity and for life in general. You know, when I was younger, I didn't really take advantage of uh, opportunity or, you know, push myself. You know, it, it took a lot longer than I anticipated or would have guessed for me to kind of get where I want to be. And uh, I would say just for opportunity in life, man, it's just things have been really great. Uh, have a solid plan and uh, things are falling into place, so. Yeah, life and opportunity. I'll say uh, I'm thankful for my, once again, I, and then this is just, you know, this might be the bulk answer, but I'm thankful for my family. They're wonderful. I'm thankful for my friends. I'm thankful that I'm healthy. I have a job. Lots of things. But those things, I just, those would come to mind right off the top of my head. How do you fuel the fire within you? <laughs> oh, <laughs> naysayers. <laughs> People telling me I'm I'm not going to do this or I can't do that. Uh, proving people wrong to a certain degree in a healthy way. Yeah, just wanting to be the best person or the best version of myself. You know, I think Marines in general, <laughs> if you tell them not to push the red button on the wall, as soon as you walk out of the room, they're going to push the red button on the wall. Um, and that's kind of like, you know, I, I, I've kind of taken that to heart. I'm like, if you tell me I can't do something, I'm not going to do it, well, then... I'm going to keep trying until I do it. So, uh, I, I agree. I'm like that. I mean, there, there's no one that's going to tell me I can't do it or I can't beat them. I just, as a doc, you know, every time I would show up at a unit, the first thing I did is I would I would challenge the uh, CO or the stud to PT. I, and there was no way on God's green earth that a, he or she, well, it was always a he in my case, uh, was going to be. So uh, I just had a burning desire to, to, to prove to whoever that I could do it. And I was going to do it. Some people might say that's arrogance or that's, uh, you know, being conceited. It, to me, it wasn't. To me, it was just about the challenge of, of life, the challenge of proving that no matter what you tell me I can't do or what I, you know, I can't accomplish, I'm going to do it. What is one thing adversity taught you to value? Well, you got something? <laughs> you, thought you, you thought you were done with the hard questions, didn't you? <laughs> no, right? Adversity has taught me to value the little win. If I would achieve, like, my highest goals instantly, like, then life would be, I don't know, perfect and it would be dull. I mean, part of being successful, I think the biggest part of being successful is the struggle. You know, you get that real sense of pride and accomplishment because you're like, man, that took me... X amount of days, weeks, years to accomplish. So I think I appreciate the little things even more so today because when you put your complete effort into a task or a goal and you finally obtain it, it's just, it's amazing. But those little wins, you're like, oh, I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer, it, it means the world. So, yeah, but adversity taught me to appreciate the little wins. Yeah, and, and that's that's a good point. I, I think you know, in in our, in our daily jobs, in our daily, you know, Matt is, is is a police officer now, and and I'm still kind of in the in the VA world. And I, I think um, 
the adversity I face with, with, you know, dealing with veterans that are struggling on a daily basis. I think that adversity that they face and the little wins that we have, whether it be, you know, getting a veteran off the street, getting a veteran into the system, getting a veteran a voucher for something. I think those little little battles that you fight with are, uh, you know, have, have, have taught me to appreciate many, many things. What are you doing today you never thought you could? Well, I don't look. <laughs> I, see, that's why I wanted to answer that first, because that's my answer. You know, if anybody, you know, the fact that my name's on the cover of the book, I mean, people who grow with me or knew me are probably like, you got to be kidding me. This guy was, you know, he was, you know, he was a dope. I mean, it's, uh, you know, bad, man. I didn't mean to jump in on no, that. No, no, that was easy, bro. Right. I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't know how many people, I mean, even Buzz at first was like, what, you what? We want to do what? I'm like, yeah, man, let's do it. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how many people have said, I would have never thought you would have wrote a book. I'm like, me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, you know, and, and, and you know, and, and you talk to people, and, you know, it's, and, you know, someone who helped us with the book is trying to convince me to do something else. And I'm like, are you crazy? I'm like, I go, I fought you the entire way. I was a pain in the, you know what, and... I'm stunned by the fact, not because it's just, it's just like, it's looking about where I come from and where I've been and the guy I am. And, you know, it's just, it, 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 it's funny to me. I, it's not something that I ever thought I would have done or aspired to do. It just kind of happened. And it's, it's, um, yeah, it's very cool. That's what makes this book more special is a, not thinking that we could do it. I mean, if we try something, yeah, we're going to do it. But honestly, I think this is a great product. I mean, I'm excited for people to read it. I'm excited for their reviews. And to see that we put this together, it's, it's pretty special. Great work. My last question here is, what will you do tomorrow that you never thought you could? I think in the short term, my next goal is to run a second marathon. Uh, and I have to begrudgingly thank another Marine for putting that in my head. I hate to run. I hate it. Buzz loves to run. He's a runner. He runs through plantar fasciitis. Crazy. Um, I always struggle with it. So I ran my first Marine Corps marathon in 2017. But all proud of it. Did a good time. And I was working at the VA still. And another Marine is like, you can do another one? I said, no. <laughs> He's like, why? He's like, I'm like, because I already did one. He's like, let me tell you something. He's like, everyone wants to run one. But making the conscious decision, like an idiot, to run your second one is more worth it. I was like, you're a jerk, man. <laughs> so now, like, I'm going to punish myself at some point, hopefully within the next year, for work permits to, uh, to run my second marathon. Wow. Can, can I, can I, before I answer, can I, can I ask what Marine that was? Is this a Marine that we know, or is this No, a, no, he worked, uh, he worked down at the uh, regional office, so. Okay. Yeah, he, he just thought it was there, and I was like, man, you're a jerk, man. Thanks for killing it for me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, people don't realize that, that, that's quite a commitment, so I, uh, yeah, yeah I'm working, I'm working with, I'm working with someone who's, uh, who's a gold star, you know, family member now who's training the one point for that, and she's come to see me every morning and she struggles. I should just keep pushing, to be honest.
you'll get through it. You can accomplish it. And it's a doable thing. It's doable. And that can doesn't exist. And I, I don't know what I might feel myself doing tomorrow that I, I never thought I would do. I mean, I dabble uh, with some ideas about being so non-profit type things and, you know, trademarking some stuff like that. And, and, you know, not to make money or anything like that, but to figure out a way to get back, you know, to continue to get back to our community. Not necessarily just veterans, but to get back. It's not something I thought that, you know, I would ever do. But there are some opportunities that I'm interested in. Maybe. I'm not sure. Sounds like it's unfolding. It'd be cool to see it unfold. Yeah, and gentlemen, how can people learn more about you both and the Warrior Book of Virtues? Yeah, thanks, Doug. We're, we're excited. We're we stand by it. Excited for people to read it. Give us their reviews and hopefully have some testimonials from how it's applied and what it's done to their lives. So, yeah, thanks for, thanks for having us on. Thank you for doing the forward and, you know, speak with Buzz and I and Nick and put that together, man. I, I think people are going to be impressed. It, it, it's great, and I, I do appreciate it. And that's, that's the same thing. I'm just, I'm just uh, excited to, to hear what people think of the book and how the book can help them in their daily lives. Whether you're, you know, a, a young service member, whether you're a young man or girl, you know, high school or, or college or whatever, and uh, I'm really I'm looking forward to hearing information about what they think about me. I may or may not have a copy, you know, and have someone check it out in my respect. There's no military background. She said some really nice things about the book and how it's written. And I was surprised she's a very intelligent person. And I was like, wow.